1: This is Fantasy Football today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a
2: spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What
1: a play! Off to the races! Touchdown! Oh, he's done it
2: again. Now here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben.
0: Polarizing players: Saquon Barkley, Lamar Jackson, Antonio Gibson. I can't believe I almost forgot to include Joe Mixon. Well, he's not polarizing. Everybody hates Joe Bixon, except for us. We're going to talk about it on today's show. I asked you who are some of the most polarizing players. We used your responses. Came up with the uh, the ones that really showed up the most in the responses, and also what we're seeing in terms of uh, rankings and average draft position and things like that. Adam Azer, Heath Cummings, Jamie Eisenberg, welcome, welcoming you to the show. We just finished our IDP League, which has 10 IDP, 9 IDP spots, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more on the Mailbag Show on Saturday. On today's show, it's the Polarizing Players, plus how to draft in 10-team leagues, 14-team leagues, 16-team leagues, and, of course, our reaction right now to James Robinson stepping up into this lead role with Travis Etienne out for the season. Man, this stinks. Oh, man. So, Heath, uh, we had a bonus pod with Jamie and Dave on on uh, Tuesday. Now is your turn to speak about this situation. Where are you putting James Robinson in your rankings?
2: Well, I've got a lot more information than they did. So, uh, yeah, I- I'm... I'm probably going to still remain low on James Robinson relative to consensus. I'm going to have him as a mid-to-low range RB2. Um, I have been very, very discouraged by almost everything that has happened in Jacksonville since Urban Meyer became the head coach. And it was a terrible situation last year. But the one thing James Robinson had going for him last year is he was basically the only running back who touched the ball. They are not behaving as if that's going to be the case, even without Travis Etienne, because it, Carlos Hyde was touching the ball before he was in preseason games anyway. They want to give the ball to Carlos Hyde on occasion. I don't know why. Um, so I, I don't think Robinson's going to be as good as he was last year. But I do think that he's now a, uh, a number two running back that I feel fine drafting in round four.
0: Jamie, he went 36th in the draft that we just did, the IDP draft. Obviously, no IDPs went before that. So you can consider that kind of a standard spot, maybe for Robinson. And this was an analyst draft. He went, let's see, after Chris Carson and David Montgomery. But did he go before? He went before Mike Davis. (laughs) Did he go before Daryl Henderson? No. Uh, Henderson, Montgomery, Carson, Dobbins. Oh Jacobs, that was a surprising pick, and then James Robinson. But do you think thirty-six overall, three-four turn seems like a reasonable place for James Robinson?
3: It's probably I. I'm probably a little closer to Heath than than you know there. But I think early round four. You know, I was going to take him to be honest with you, uh, and I had the uh, the third pick in the fourth round, so I would have taken him there. So that you know, it's 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 in that range. Uh, I I think you know, especially this draft, as you noted, Adam, it's um. It was very running back heavy, so it uh, you know it just it just comes down to I think that he's going to be in that group. You know, I think it's the DeAndre Swift, Chris Carson, David Montgomery, still um, uh, Jacob Sanders. You know, all those guys that we talk about all the time. I think he's in he's in that mix. All
0: right. So would you guys rather have Chris Carson or James Robinson? Of
3: course. Probably Carson. Okay. How about? Dobbins. I'd rather Robinson.
0: Robinson, even in non PPR half
3: PPR, non I'll take Dobbins, half and full I'll take Robinson.
2: I think I'll take Robinson on both.
0: Okay, how about uh, James Robinson or Miles Gaskin?
3: Um, that's the that's like the the tipping point for me. <laughs> <laughs> Henderson and Gaskin is like kind of where I come I come out on it. You know, so I think I have Carson seventeen, Henderson eighteen, Gaskin nineteen. So uh, I haven't changed my rankings yet. He'll be right in that range. I I guess you know, just to answer your question, I probably would say Robinson.
2: Okay, yeah, he he, Heath Gaskin Robinson. Yeah, I think um, definitely Robinson over Gaskin in non PPR. Um, I think probably still Robinson over Gaskin in full PPR.
0: Yeah, so he was number eight last year in non-PPR, number seven in full PPR, basically the same in points per game. Played 14 games, and his 16-game pace was 1,600 total yards, or 1,616, so that's 100 yards a game. Uh, 56 catches and on pace for 11 touchdowns. Touchdowns were a little lucky. Five carries inside the five-yard line. He scored on all five of them. To compare that, Ezekiel Elliott had 22 carries inside the five-yard line and scored on five of them. (laughs) <laughs> no running he's a, back he's
3: a good player yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's a really good player and he ended up in a great situation and now the situation is very good once again the concern would be is that how much is urban meyer going to force feed carlos Hyde, you know and, and that's that's the problem and how much is laviska chanel going to take away from him in the passing game so as he said it's not as good as it was a year ago this the scenario but it's it's now clearly the, the path to playing time is wide open
0: I got an interesting question from an emailer. He was offered Nick Chubb and James Robinson for Christian McCaffrey. What would you do? Oh, no. You know what? I'm sorry. It was for Alvin Kamara. Would you rather have Alvin Kamara or Chubb and Robinson? PPR.
3: Um, Chubb and Robinson.
2: I was going to say, in non-PPR, it's definitely Chubb and Robinson. In full PPR, it's probably still Chubb and Robinson, but yeah. Okay.
0: A couple other things from the Monday night football game. Tony Jones, is that the new Latavius Murray? If you draft Camaro or just want a high-end backup, is Tony Jones the guy for the Saints?
3: He's trending that way. I mean, at this point, like, you know, for, for most people that are going to do their drafts in in probably 10 days plus, you know, next weekend plus, uh, we hopefully will get an answer, you know, if, if Latavius is cut or traded. But right now, it's still a, a gamble. Uh, I would, I would probably gamble on Jones though, which is, you know, nothing I would have thought a month ago because I drafted Latavius Murray a lot.
0: On the broadcast, they said that Sean Payton said that Tony, that Tony Jones was their number two running back as of Monday going into the game,
3: and he yeah, played as if is, he were. Which is typically what they would say in the meeting, you know, if they asked about it. So. Right, right. But uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be shocking. It would be shocking, but you know th- that's not the first time we've heard this. You know, the Athletic reported that his job was in jeopardy. Murray's job was in yeah. jeopardy, but that was the thought of Devontae Freeman at the time. Now there's a younger back that's cheap.
0: Okay, uh, and then at the tight end position for the Saints, Adam Troutman got hurt, and is it Jawan Johnson Heath? Is that who we're looking at? Do, do you have him in your top twenty? for the Saints or or what?
2: I I don't I don't I don't think I'm going to currently have any Saints tight ends in my top 20. They don't seem to think the Troutman injury is going to be season threatening, but doesn't actually look like Troutman has a passing role in the offense during preseason games anyway. So I'm not sure if they're just trying to hide that because we have had some camp reports that they were throwing to him quite a bit. He just hasn't even run routes. Um I I'm probably just not drafting a Saints tight end and I'll Use them as streamers throughout the year if one of them emerges. Sucks, but I would agree. Okay, so we're going to have more news and notes for you
0: in a moment. If you want to hear about Marquez Calloway, well, on our emergency podcast, on our bonus podcast in which we initially talked about ETN on Tuesday. Uh, yeah, Tuesday. Get the days all confused. Uh, we talked at the end of that. We had a, a Marquez Calloway discussion. We are one week away from our draftathon, the 2021 draftathon thon supporting St. Jude. This is a six hour stream of nonstop fantasy advice from six PM until midnight Eastern, Wednesday, September first. We're going to be joined by thirty industry friends, like Mike, Mike Wright, Nando Dafino, and many more to get you prepared for your fantasy drafts while raising money for Saint Jude. And you can watch the entire stream on our YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash fantasy football today.
3: Well, the first two hours will be on HQ.
0: Yes, first two hours are on HQ. The entire thing is on youtube.com/slash fantasy football today.
3: And we're going to be on location.
0: Well, not all of us, but yes, Dave, Jamie, Heath, Chris will be on location in Washington, D.C. And that's going to be. You want to tell You want to tell us about it?
3: Um, I don't know exactly where we're going. I think uh, Ben might know more. Um, so you could. Hey Ben. Hey, what's uh, up?
0: Yeah, we'll DC be. And
3: they're going to tell us somewhere to go. <laughs> Caesar Sportsbook, Capital One Arena. Uh, we'll be live from there.
0: Don't know if we'll have fans in attendance yet, but we'll be on site there. It'll be a lot of fun.
2: Heath, what you drinking over there? Uh, just a little juice. Just trying to lozenge up my throat. <laughs>
0: okay. All right, CD, tell the story now.
2: I, I've you know I've had a rough week, I, lots of stress, and I've been looking forward to this for uh, almost twenty four hours now. So I think you can definitely tell the story now.
0: Oh, this Adam, story. <laughs> Okay, Jamie's. do you know the story, Heath? No. Do you want me to tell the story, Jamie? Because I I, mean, I kind of know it better than you, but
3: you can... Uh, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I, I, okay, go ahead, go ahead. So, um, I get a text message from uh, <laughs> our producer of our Fantasy Football Today show. His name is Jack Capitore. You <laughs> see him in a lot of our mock drafts, his name. He's such a snitch. And, well, no, he wasn't a snitch. Because I mean, I'm on the same text chain with so uh, Maron Berkson, who is another producer at, at CBS Sports HQ. And Jack is in the championship game of the Fantasy Baseball League that Adam commissions. The team now, that he, used Adam be, he, he used
2: to be in this league. This is the league where Adam turns waivers on on Monday mornings and then adds players and then sends an email and says he's turning waivers on, right?
3: <laughs> yes, he's never <laughs> okay. done that, but yes, it seems like he does. Um, I will defend him in that regard. Thank you. In any event, uh, get a text message that says... Um, Look at the scoring matchups for the championship week. And so I go and I see Jackson in his championship game and I look at the semifinals and lo and behold, there's the team Adam and I share playing the other team that lost in the semifinals and not Maron Berkson, who should have been in the semifinals. So I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's like a, Adam said like a scoring thing, like you know, if Wait, you lose in the We lost in the quarterfinals. So yes, yeah, so we lost in the quarterfinals. So yeah. I text Adam, knowing that he always has made a lot of these moves without including me. yeah. So I text Adam and he goes, oh yeah, I forgot to tell you uh, where I, I want to make sure I get this word for word. Yeah, um, yeah. So I don't get accused of, of <laughs> right telling the story incorrectly, like somebody often accuses me of. So I text him, I text him with the scoring matchup with, uh, and he goes, <laughs> yes, I forgot to tell you, I forgot that there is third place prize of $50. And I write back to him, how are we in it? So he wrote back, oh bleep. We lost in the quarterfinals. So not only did he put us into the, the the consolation prize, skipping around, he completely ignored the person that lost in the semifinals. Yeah. Like he's trying to give us free money. All right, here's what you happened.
2: Know? It's so bad. This is the, the worst. So the, just to clarify, like when you remembered that there was a prize for third place was the same <laughs> point in time that you illegally put your team into that game?
0: Yes. So what happened was <laughs> Jack texted me and asked me about the payouts because Jack is in the finals. And I said, oh, it's this much for winner, this much for second place and 50 bucks for, the, for, thir- for whoever wins the third place game. And I said to myself or to Jack, I said, oh, crap, I forgot to set up a third place game. I totally forgot about that. This was already after the, the scoring period had started on Monday. So I said, yeah. So that was the first mistake I made. I forgot the I forgot the consolation game. So then I knew Chris was in one of the consolation games. So I sent a note to Chris, and then we didn't talk until almost seven o'clock. And I said, hey, we're in the sebi- we're in the third place game together. <laughs> I don't know why I forgot we lost in the quarterfinals, not the semifinal. I said, Do you want to play it out or do you want to just split it twenty-five dollars each? Whoa,
2: you're gonna <laughs> split the without <laughs> even talking to me? Yes. You're gonna split the consolation price? Because I forgot Top up the consolation because price. Because the scoring period had already started and nobody oh my <laughs> set God. their lineups.
0: So Chris said, Let's play it out. I said, Okay, so just set your lineup and I can make any adjustments at whatever if I if if you need me to. So I set the lineups. I, I I changed the I I put the matchup in there, and then I got the text from Jamie, and it was actually funnier than I think than Jamie, uh even represented because he's like, "How are we in it?" I wrote, "We're not allowed to make roster moves," and I had to set our lineup at like seven Oh, bleep, we lost the quarterfinals, not the semifinals.
3: Wow. Hey Jack, Jack, you're not gonna believe what else he did. Oh, oh gee, you called Jack? That's so
0: weak. <laughs> so who was supposed to Jack, be? Jack, Mar- we're on the air, we're live. It was supposed to be Marone versus Chris. I thought it was supposed to be me versus Chris. So here's, here's what he Jamie. did, Jack.
3: Wait, come on. Please don't bring Jack in this. Jack, you know what he did? He was going to split the pot for the third price, place game that he wasn't even in going to split the pot? Yes. Could you imagine? He was going to split it. <laughs> if Chris had said yes,
0: then Bye. I would have just split the pot. I would never even realize that I had made the mistake. This is such an idiot move. Idiot moron <laughs> move. All right, let's get back to the show, guys. Excuse God. Damn, That's I got to get it That's the worst thing you've part. ever done as a commissioner. Yeah. Ever. It is, but it was a mistake. Uh, C.D. Lamb's in the COVID protocol. He was a close contact. Hopefully, he'll be out uh, within four days now. Daryl Henderson, mild thumb sprain. We talked about that. Not moving him down in the rankings yet. Minnesota signed defensive end Everson Griffin, who could just be kind of rotational for them. But their defense continues to look better, much better than. You got to draft
3: him as a number one defense.
2: Don't uh, gloss over Everson Griffin. Like the, the best part of the Vikings signing Everson Griffin, <laughs> which is what. He had to apologize to Kirk Cousins for tweet mean tweets about Kirk Cousins when he wasn't on the Vikings. Are you serious? Yes. Oh my, that is the best part.
3: But they get Cincinnati in Week One. That's a great matchup. Is it? Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, Carolina signed Robbie Anderson two years, nearly thirty million dollars. So the bro
3: hasn't stepped on the field yet. That offensive line doesn't look good. That's L- a great
0: matchup. A L- little more than twenty and a half million guaranteed. Dan Cam- this is big here. Dan Campbell expressed some concern about the lack of reps for DeAndre Swift, and to a lesser extent, TJ Hawkinson. He's not really worried about Hawkinson, but he is a little worried about DeAndre Swift, and I guess there's some qu- questions about whether or not Swift is going to be ready for week one, Jamie. What, uh, your, what is yeah. your reaction?
3: To go back to the Robinson, I would take Robinson over Swift at this point. Like, I, I just can't trust this situation right now, because he's going to be sharing on a bad team, and he's already banged up. Like, This is just a guy that I had high expectations for, not as high as Heath, obviously, but um, I, I, I thought he was going to have, you know, build off what he did last year. And this just feels like it's going to go south pretty quick. So um, I, I'm still hopeful. I dra- I just drafted him this weekend in one of my father's son leagues. So, you know, this is, you know, developing, you know, feelings for me about this. But I, I just, I can't, I can't feel comfortable about DeAndre Swift right now. Where he's going, you know, you tell me I'm getting him in round four or five ish. Sure. But he's not going there.
2: He went round two I, in our draft today.
3: That's where he went in our draft today? After the news. Yeah. So it's uh, it's troubling. It, it's certainly troubling.
0: Oh, well, he's a kind of a polarizing player. And, yeah. Heath, you've always been the high guy on DeAndre Swift.
2: So what do you think? So I'm still going to remain the high guy on him. I'm just going to lower him to where everybody else had him before this news. Um, I, I would still take him at the end of round three. I've got him around running back 16 or 17. I think I have him. He is the guy that I didn't move Robinson ahead of. So I would take Swift over Robinson. But they're right back-to-back.
0: They had pretty similar... Catches catch total last year. I think Robinson played one more game, so I still. Th- I mean, you think Swift would would out catch
2: him, right? Oh, I think if they both play seventeen games, Swift's going to be better. I just I'm, I'm worried. worried.
0: I uh, did, I, I just think- want to know in terms of the, of catches if they both play seventeen games, how many more catches do you think Swift would have than Robinson? Twenty five. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on. Buffalo wide receivers Gabriel Davis and Cole Beasley. They're in the. COVID protocol, uh close contacts, they'll miss 5 days. Some members of the Patriots organization are pretty frustrated with Cam Newton, according to a report, because he misunderstood the COVID protocols and now he's out for a few days and this is an opportunity for Mac Jones. Carson Wentz appears on track to start week 1 according to The Athletic. AJ Brown reportedly looks healthy. Julio Jones did some light running at practice on Tuesday. Elijah Moore expected to play on Friday. That is great news. Will Fuller resume running routes? Also, good news. The Falcons waived Javian Hawkins. Would you guys take Kadri Allison or Tony Jones?
3: Jones. Tony Jones.
0: Would you take Kadri Olison or Nick Chubb or <laughs> Chuba, Chuba Hubbard? Chuba Hubbard. <laughs> um,
2: I don't. Yeah, almost everybody is the answer for me over Kadri Allison.
0: Okay, I just he might be a guy that gets some work. Uh, but, yeah, I, I get your point. And Stefan Diggs practiced in full. Hooray. Most polarizing players. So, in order of ADP, basically, not not entirely, but basically, uh, let's start with Saquon Barkley. He is currently on CBS RB8. He is going 11th overall. And, Heath, you have him where? 17. And, Jamie, you have Barkley where?
3: I think 6 or seven.
2: That's pretty polarizing. (laughs) There you go, polarizing.
0: And ADP is right in the middle, basically, at 11th overall. Okay, uh, Jamie, make the case. Now, listen, we have a lot of guys to talk about here, so let's try, you know, let's try like five minutes for Barkley or whatever. Kick it off, Jamie.
3: I just think he's trending in the right direction with his health, and if he's right and healthy, he has the chance to be a top five running back. I think I have him ranked sixth, so just outside of that, but... Um, I don't think he's going to be as good as he was in 2018, but I would not be surprised if he's something close to what he was at the end of the 2019 season um, with Daniel Jones having a chance to still be somewhat of a factor in the passing game to what degree. I'm not sure yet because I just don't know, but the more time that Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony miss, I think that just helps his case because you need to put the ball in your best player's hands and he's still their best player. So, uh, I'm, uh, again, if he's if he's going to play week one, I will keep him there, and that's the way he's trending. When he was going to miss a few weeks, he was clearly not close to this spot. But I will chase the upside with Saquon Barkley and hope that he is something close to 2018 or the end of 2019, and I think that's the type of player that I'm going to get.
2: Okay, Heath, not quite there. No, I— I'm still concerned that he's going to have an abbreviated workload early in the year and Devontae Booker is going to play a bigger role than we want him to. And I'm still concerned that this Giants team is just really, really bad. I asked the question on Twitter as Jacksonville was looking like maybe the worst team in the NFL last night, what offenses will score fewer touchdowns than the Jaguars? And I was surprised I only got one team that answered the Giants. They didn't that, actually. That's what answer I was going to. Uh, they I, answered Trash Can Dan, <laughs> which I don't know what that that is, but it's not very nice. Dan um, no, Daniel Jones. I, I, um, but yeah, I, I just worry that the offensive line isn't that good, and they don't. The offense itself isn't set up to throw to the running backs very much, and so maybe he's an eighty or ninety target guy, and only scores eight touchdowns. And it's just that's. I'm worried he doesn't have the floor to make up for what is or the ceiling to make up for how low his floor is.
0: Yeah, it's not is it a good situation for Barkley? Because on one hand, he's gonna be an every down back, but on the other hand, he's on the Giants.
3: Well, I mean, we just we don't know what the Giants look like yet. You know, so there's an unknown factor to it because we haven't seen Daniel Jones with (laughs) Galladay, with Tony. Um, and and we may not see that. That's part of the 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 flaws you have to bake into with with Barkley, but uh, I think as a rookie he was running against the most stacked box in, in the league, and he had the most success I think uh, for next-gen stats for how long they'd been keeping it at that point. So I don't think he's necessarily uh, going to struggle with teams trying to Stop him to the extent of maybe some lesser backs struggle when teams are trying to stop him. But again, you know, I I realize that I'm being overly optimistic on Barkley, but I'm hoping that he is going to hit. You know, I'm going to chase the potential of what he is, and I realize that I'm doing that. So like I drafted him in this IDP draft, I drafted him 10th overall. So if he hits, I'll be in great shape. If he misses to whatever degree, then that's the 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 pains that I'll deal with with drafting him in the first round.
0: Yeah, kind of interesting. Just to wrap it up, you talked about the end of the 2019 season, his last five games, he was on his 16 game pace was gosh, like 2,300 total yards and 16 touchdowns and 54 catches. So he finished with a bang at the end of 2019. But if you look at the game log, this is kind of what Heath is talking about. The giants had three games where they scored 17 or fewer points. And he only scored one touchdown in those three games. They had two games where they scored 36 or more points, and Barkley went off in those games. He scored four touchdowns in those two games. He rushed for over 110 yards in both of those games. One of those games, he rushed for 189. The other three games were like, you'll take it, but they're going to have to be, you know, they're going to have to have some games where they score some points. If they're horrible all year, then maybe. Maybe you look at that game log and you see what the, what it looks like if they score 17 points. You know, it's not great, but
3: right. But like, which which Giants team are we judging Saquon Barkley on? That team, last year's team, this year's team. Yeah, I don't you know, know, that it's, it's such an unknown. It, yeah. it really is, you know. And and you got to hope that putting him back on this roster with whatever Galladay offers, with whatever Tony offers, with I think you know I I don't think Heath is wrong in saying the offensive line is bad, but I think it's better than it was last year. Has a chance to be better than it was last year. And so, you know, hopefully he's a difference maker for this team.
0: Okay. Next up is Joe Mixon. So he is currently RB12 and he is going 20th overall. And it must only be CBS analysts who are taking him there. We must be in a lot of drafts influencing the ADP. This based on everything I've seen. I mean, it's, we, I, we seem higher on Mixon than a lot of people because they're bitter. They hate, they they can't stand the injuries. And he was pretty disappointing except for one game last year. So, Okay, Heath. First word on Mixon. Where Where do you guys have Mixon?
2: Twelve,
3: uh, fifteen or sixteen.
0: Oh, okay. So who's ahead of? Let me get Jamie's rankings up here.
3: I'll tell you the guys I struggle with. It's it's the same four guys that I move around all the time. It's Najee Harris, Antonio Gibson, uh, Joe Mixon, and um, Clyde. And who? Clyde. Yeah, I think those they're all ahead of Clyde. Maybe just those three. Chubb. the fourth guy. Yeah, I guess it's Chubb and PPR.
0: Okay. All right. Well, uh, anyway, go ahead, uh, Heath.
2: Yeah, I just I think that this has the opportunity to be the best Bengals offense that Joe Mixon has been a part of and the best setup for him because Giovanni Bernard is gone, and his workload was great last year. He did have some disappointing efficiency, but we've seen Joe Mixon be a top 10 running back before. Um, I think the uh, over the he's burnt me too many times is being a little bit overdone in comparison to some other running backs. And probably the reason I'm the highest on him is because I wasn't drafting him the last three years. And so I don't feel like that. (laughs) (laughs) True. Okay.
0: Uh, Jamie, why do you think people are are hesitant on Nixon? Why can't they get why can't they buy in?
3: I mean, I, everything you just said, you know, the last couple of years have been frustrating. You know, it's you, you hear, and I don't think Heath is wrong, but you hear what Heath is saying. You've heard that for a few years. This is going to be Joe Mixon's best year. This is his breakout season, you know, and, and I'm not saying Heath was saying that, but the fantasy community was saying that. And you look at his his production last year in the games, he was healthy. It it It's kind of masked a little bit by the one big game against Jacksonville um, because it was so good, but the other performances weren't as strong. You know, so... This is still an offensive line in flux. This is a quarterback situation that we're really not uh, set on yet. Is Joe Burrow back to being the guy he was pre-injury? Because we haven't seen him. Um, you know, the, I, I think what he said is 100% accurate. You know, it's just a matter of, like, I look at Harris and and Gibson, and I think Gibson's team is better, and Gibson may have just as much, if not more, of a role in the passing game, even though he may not play on third downs. And Najee Harris looks like he's never coming off the field, similar to what the Bengals are saying about Joe Mixon, but the Steelers' track record tells you that that's probably going to be the case. And so will the Bengals stick to keeping Joe Mixon on the field, and will he hold up to that workload? So I think he's a very good borderline number one running back. If you like him better than those other guys, then you should take him at the end of the first round, beginning of the second round. I just happen to like Gibson and Gibson and uh, and Harris better in PPR and obviously Chubb and non-PPR.
0: How much does the schedule matter, because he's got Minnesota who we expect to have a much better defense, Chicago and Pittsburgh in his first 3 games.
3: And then you got two games against Baltimore and two games against Cleveland during the season too. Uh
0: Cleveland is week 18, the second game. Uh but yes, you do have two games against Baltimore, you have another game against Pittsburgh, you have a Denver game. Um there are some look there's there's uh the Chargers, I don't know how they'll be, there's the Raiders, there's D- Detroit, there's Jacksonville in week 4. Green Bay actually got a lot better against the run late in the year but overall they were terrible last year so but i don't know there are there are some tough matchups and a tough start with minnesota chicago pittsburgh right out of the gate for Mixon.
2: and i and i have really very little idea what to make of minnesota or chicago defensively i don't think they're probably going to be bad but i don't and i don't envision either the vikings or the bears being a team that in week 8 i'm downgrading any players because they're facing them the steelers yes the ravens probably maybe the browns but, and I, I know I'm always a little bit um, less bothered by that anyway, but I don't, I just don't, I don't know any, like, I feel like those defenses are kind of like the Bengals offense. We think they could be good, but I'm not really sure. Okay.
0: All right. Then let's go to our next polarizing player. And that would be, it's really, it's kind of like three in a row in terms of ADP. RB12 was Mixon, RB13 is Gibson, RB14 is Clyde edwards elair I think Clyde is the most polarizing here, but Gibson is also on the list. People are, are a little split on him. 24th overall, you know, Jamie, that, the, the thing that always shocked me was how early I thought he was going. I just thought it was too early. It was more like 15th overall. I saw an early ADP or mock drafts and things like that. 24th overall is a, is a much different story here because you know the top 5 wide receivers are off the board Waller might be off the board anyway is that a good spot for for uh, Gibson where, and where do you think why do you think people are polarized here split on Gibson
3: I mean if you tell me I can get Antonio Gibson 24th overall I would think that's stealing personally uh I, I i we saw you know what he what what the raw Antonio Gibson looked like last year you know he, 11 touchdowns and um some big games you know against Dallas and you know, I think was building towards something before the toe injury in a midweek game against the Steelers. So, you know, forget about the Christian McCaffrey comparisons. They're going to use him uh, quite a bit. The, the only thing that I think is holding me back a little bit is the fact that McKissick is still playing on third downs. And so that's going to keep him maybe from being a top five caliber running back. Cause I think he has that type of potential. This offense is going to be better. This, this offensive line is very good. This coaching staff is great. Um, They will throw to their backs. You know, sometimes McKissick, my God, imagine how many catches he could get. So I I think, you know, Gibson's in a a great spot. And and you said this, Adam, I think it was the Sunday night show reviewing the the weekend, that you don't have to necessarily throw him the ball on third down for him to get catches. I mean, they're going to use him uh, and they're creative enough, you know, first and second down to throw him the ball. So uh, I love the upside of Antonio Gibson.
2: Yeah, if there's the hesitation, and I've mostly come around. Like I think I have him 14th in PPR now, so I've mostly just come around to not ranking him too low. But the hesitation for me is that I don't think J.D. McKissick is going away, and I don't think he's going to match his touchdown rate from last year. And he's one of those guys who had some really high-volume running games last year but was not a high-volume back in college— and so, until he's done that, I'm going to have a hard time just assuming he does. And so, I think he either needs seventy percent of the running back targets, which I'm afraid McKissick standing in front of, in the way of, or that 16, 17 carries a game, which I'm not, I'm just not sold yet that he'd hold up to that. But that if he does either of those things, I think he's going to be a good buy at this ADP.
3: So yeah. far through two preseason games, and again, this may be them trying to get, you know, you made you've you brought this up, Adam, about, you know, him saying he's not fully comfortable with certain things running the ball, you know, and 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 trying to still grow into this role as a running back. But (laughs) he's been on the field for twenty four snaps and he has seventeen combined carries and touches in those twenty four snaps. They are giving him every opportunity to touch the ball. And it could be special this season if that's the case.
0: They are, yeah. And what I was referring to is he said that he uh, you know, it was last week, I think he said he he's still figuring out when to cut back and when to hit the hole. And then after the preseason week two, the ESPN reporter, you know, uh, in his little write-up, John was that? John that? Yeah, I Yeah. I'm pretty sure it was him. I may not have been him. I'm sorry. But somebody wrote up that he had a couple of short yardage situations. He couldn't pick up the first down. And he's still trying to kind of learning how to use his body. So that's that's the issue with me with him is that he only had four games. As Heath was saying, he, you know, not a huge workload. He only had four games more than 14 carries last year. I'm just not sure that he's a – he's not. He's not a complete running back rusher yet. His talent is so obvious. He's ter- just terrific in space. They're well, using the like, hell out of him.
2: I- I kind of like him saying that because I think looking at Clyde Edwards-Elair last year, that's quite obviously true for him. Uh, He he missed all types of opportunities that have been documented. Um, And so I I think the Chiefs seemed more willing early in the year to give Clyde that big workload. But Gibson so far has looked like the more talented back and definitely the better pass catcher.
0: Then let's go to Clyde Edwards-Elair. And... Gibson is showing a lot as a pass catcher. Like I said, you get him in space, and he's got some, spe- some serious speed. But I think Edward Zieler, when he's been given the chance to run the ball, you talked about him missing opportunities. The results have still been pretty solid, right? Um, and in the preseason, in very limited action, he was good. Uh, yeah, I, 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 think, I think he's a good player, Heath. You know? I, I just hope they give him the opportunity with Clyde Edward Zieler, But I do think people are really stung by how bad he was as a first round pick last year. So, he's going 27th overall in CBS ADP. CEH is RB14. Where do you see the uh, the split in the opinion here?
2: Oh, uh, I think it's just the way that he started the season so on fire and then and not necessarily on fire, but just playing almost all the time and then had one game in his final eight where he played 60% of the snaps and most of those he was below 50%. <laughs> Le'Veon Bell was bad last year, and the Chiefs were giving him touches over Clyde. I think it's just a concern that the Chiefs used him for six games as a feature back, didn't like what they saw, and went away from that. And I think there's still a possibility they go back to him this year, and I, I agree with you. The offensive line's gotten so much better. If they decide they're just going to give him 20 touches every game, he's probably going to smash this ADP. But we didn't go into the draft process last year thinking that Clyde Edwards-Helaire was necessarily some special running back. He was the fifth or sixth best back in the class, according to most people. And the Chiefs took him in the first round, and he got boosted up because of that. He didn't live up to last year.
0: Jamie, you've always been kind of the high guy on C.E.H. here, anyway.
3: Well, I, I hope he's healthy. First off, you know we still haven't gotten the, the diagnosis on his ankle, so you know that'll clearly change anything. Um, I'm sure you know. I'll drop him. Maybe where Heath has him, and Heath will probably <laughs> drop me more. Uh, in any event, if he's healthy, uh, I'm going to buy into this offensive line. I'm going to buy into this offense. I'm going to buy into this coach. I'm going to buy into the lack of competition. And I draft Daryl Williams everywhere. I mean, Heath, ha- Heath knows I have a trade offer pending to him, trying to get Daryl Williams in our dynasty league. Um, so I'm buying this running back situation. You know, so if Edwards Hilaire does have any significant absence at some point this season, I think Daryl Williams will step up and and potentially be that guy what we'll see with Derek McKinnon. But in any event, uh, I'll go back to those six games. It's very similar to to Gibson and and a lot of these players from last year that had no offseason and were thrown into some complex situations. This is not easy to walk off the street and pick up an Andy Reid offense. And you better protect Patrick Mahomes if you're going to be the running back back there. And I'm sure that's the majority of what his offseason was, was learning how to be a better pass blocker. But they can't invest this capital in the offensive line and not invest in running the ball a little bit more. Andy Reid has been so good for fantasy running backs throughout his, you know, career in Philly and Kansas City, so I'll, I'll buy back into it. Um, it's different this year where last year was around one pick. This year it's a late round two pick, and I've dropped him a few spots even before the injury. You know, so where it's closer to the swing picks, but um, you know, I still think he's got top ten upside, and I'm going to chase that.
0: How do you guys rank Mixon, Gibson,
3: Edwards, Eiler? You did. Um, Gibson, Mixon, Edwards, Eiler. Uh,
0: I don't, I'm hoping that this this might be silly. The Chiefs' worst game was their last game, right? They got crushed in the Super Bowl, and in the first half, they ran for like Mahomes had. Let me see. Mahomes had 33 rushing yards, I think, in the first half or something, and the rest of the team had like 20. Uh, they ran for 57 yards, and 33 of them were from Mahomes. They come out and start the second half. Clyde Edwards-Elleh gets, I think, thirty-six yards or something on two carries. Uh, I they need to be able to run the ball. I'm, I'm, I'm think, I'm hoping for his sake that they saw they were too one-dimensional. Need to be able to run the ball, and that's got to be an important part of their game. He's by far the best running back on the team, I think. So and maybe it's a that. stretch because look, they got to the Super Bowl. They were missing, they were favorites. They were missing their two starting tackles. It was a unique situation, but. I'm just thinking maybe that they, they look back and say hey listen we got to run the ball this year. We got to be able to, we got to be two dimensional.
3: Well, they don't want to see Mahomes doing what he did in the Super Bowl ever again, you know, running for his life and you know having to try and make these miraculous throws where he's, you know, sideways to the ground and you know his receivers are still dropping the ball. Yeah. They want him to have clean pockets, but you know, you have to have balance to some extent and I I think that'll be the case. You know, how many touchdowns will he score? How many catches will he have? Um, no, those those are the those are the question marks for Edwards there because he should lead them in touches in terms of their backfield.
0: Okay, uh, let's go to Ceedee Lamb. Ceedee Lamb, forty second overall, wide receiver twelve, and I know Heath doesn't like that. <laughs> Jamie, what about you? Forty second overall, wide receiver twelve for Lamb.
3: I mean, if the Cowboys are still going to be as as uh, high volume passing as they were in Dak Prescott's five games last year then I think all these receivers have a chance to be special. But you got to downgrade it a little bit because, you you, you know, Dak says he doesn't want to throw for 6,000 yards. You know, he wants his best buddy, Ezekiel Elliott, to, you know, get his touches and, and be successful. But I think this is another example of the younger receiver being slightly more talented than the veteran. And I know Amari Cooper's not like Julio Jones was last year, but it is a little similar to what happened in Tampa Bay a few years ago when Chris Godwin was better than Mike Evans in the uh in the 2019 season so uh, i would not be surprised if both of them are very good if both of them are pushing each other to be you know top 15 fantasy wide receivers and i hope that's the case because that's kind of where they're getting drafted but i think cd lamb can have a better season than Amari cooper i think he can be a borderline number one guy i think as you saw last year he was averaging over 16 ppr points per game in the five with dak prescott and so uh, they are doing everything to put him in a in a position to succeed moving him around playing him outside playing him inside uh, I hope this, you know, stint on on the COVID nineteen list doesn't ruin any of that momentum. But if Dak is right, I'll buy into C. D. Lamb's upside, and I think he's going to be the best Cowboys wide receiver, one of the best receivers in fantasy.
0: Your rebuttal, Mister Heath Cummings.
2: I I do not yet believe that Lamb's definitely going to be the clear number one over Amari Cooper, and I don't think this is a pass attack that is concentrated enough that there can be two top 12 wide receivers. And so that's basically my objection, that they're going to throw the ball to the tight ends and Zeke and Gallup enough to where if Cooper and Lamb are basically side-by-side in targets, they're both going to be number two wide receivers and not top 12. And so Lamb probably needs an injury, or he just needs to displace Amari Cooper as the team's number one. And those are both possible outcomes. But I do think this is a lot closer to his upside than it is to his reasonable floor. Do you think he gets
0: 20% target share?
2: I think that might be exactly what I have him projected for.
0: And you ha- and that would be how many targets? Because if Dak throws 40 times a game, that would be eight targets
2: per game. If Dak throws 40 times a game, then he should probably be QB. Well,
0: how many times did he throw in 2019? Right?
2: So I have him at 130 targets.
0: Okay, so he, had a- he was on pace for 130. 130- 28. Well, this was per 16 games. He was on pace for 128 targets in the five games with Dak Prescott, and his 16 game pace was 93 catches. So let's say he does this in 17 games, 93 catches, 1,386 yards, and six touchdowns. You you would need more touchdowns, but if you can get 93 catches and 1,386 yards in 17 games, he's probably yeah, gonna be. I him at
2: 87, 1150, and seven.
0: 1150. On on 130 targets, he was so much better than that with that Prescott last year. So much better. It, on a that is a basis.
2: very very small sample size to project over a full season when it's that much of an outlier in relation to what other wide receivers do.
0: How many pass attempts can we look? I think Prescott was at 39 pass attempts in 2019 full season. Let's see. That was uh, five five ninety six divided by sixteen. What's that, Jamie, off the top of your head? 596 divided by 16? <laughs> oh, sorry. I was, no, it's a big deal. It was 30, only 37.25. So he might not be able to get to eight targets per game if Dak's throwing, which is a lot, 37.25, but okay. Uh, Kyle Pitts, 52nd overall, tight end four, basically tied with Mark Andrews, tight end four, tight end five. They have identical ADPs. Who do you guys like better, Pitts or Andrews? Andrews. I know Heath's gonna say Andrews. It. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I uh, want to hear Schneier talking about Kyle Pitts and how he's being used on the outside. I hear Dave talk about Kyle Pitts. say think about him as a as a wide receiver. I definitely want to get some Kyle Pitts on my fantasy teams. But if I only had one team, I don't know how much I'd want Pitts at his ADP. <clears throat> if that makes sense, because uh, obviously he he, I think he's got a ton of boomer bust
2: here. We probably all feel that way. Oh, I think that makes perfect sense. Like if he's a wide receiver and this is his last year as a tight end designated player, then he's probably going to be someone that we should have been drafting where he's being drafted. But I I do think, again, it's kind of like what I said with Lamb. I'm not saying it's not possible that he could justify this ADP. I'm just saying that the odds are not in your favor.
0: I don't think we're going to get a ton of disagreement here. The ADP is 52nd. But Jamie, if you were going to play the part of somebody who's really high on Kyle Pitts... There are a lot of them that are willing to take him in the first four rounds. What would your argument be?
3: Well, I mean, again, you, you know, you saw what he did in college. You, you know, you you see what his role is, what his opportunity is without Julio Jones there. You know, the hope is that you don't spend a top five overall pick in the NFL draft to not feature him as much as you can in the offense. And this is still a team that you know I think could be if everything works out for them defensively, and they're above average defensively, they'll be in the playoff mix. But they they have to get a pretty big season out of Mike Davis one and probably Kyle Pitts too because it just can't be Calvin Ridley and Matt Ryan trying to you know make um make plays and 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 save this team you know he's going to have to have a second guy I don't think Russell Gage is that guy so you know Kyle Pitts has every opportunity in front of him to you know be the the best number 2 target getter for the Falcons over the last 5 years the last 5 years the number 2 guy in targets was the best player was Russell Gage um what I mean by that is In terms of the amount of targets, Russell Gage was the second most targeted guy over the last five years. Most of that has been opposite Julio Jones. Last year, Gage had more targets than Julio because he missed time. So behind Calvin Ridley. So, you know, can he have more than 109 targets? I I think that's probably fair in 17 games. He should. But what will he do with those targets? How many touchdowns will he score? You know, our team's going to try and take him away. You know, so there's a lot of things at play here. Um, It's just not a position that typically posts dynamic numbers in the rookie season. Um, maybe he will be that guy because he's going to be used a little bit differently.
0: All right, Heath, pick one more. We're gonna we we can do either Lamar Jackson or Josh. James. Oh, I think we should do Lamar Jackson. All right, I don't. What's what's polarizing about Lamar Jackson? I yeah. What what's polarizing about Lamar Jackson?
2: Um, I think he's QB two, close to Patrick Mahomes, and in some sites he's drafted that way. In our most recent draft, I think I got him at QB five in round six. Um, after Mahomes um, went in the fourth and Allen went in the fourth, so I I think that it's, there's some people who aren't sure because they're not giving Lamar Jackson the contract extension like Josh Allen got this year. I think there's some people who aren't sure yet that Lamar Jackson is going to be a great franchise quarterback despite the fact that he won an MVP. You can count me in on that. By the way, <laughs> oh, I, and there's I I had, I, I was saying some people. <laughs> I was definitely talking about Adam Hazer.
0: Well. I think that he's going to be a great fantasy quarterback, even if he's not a franchise quarterback. But uh, I think it's basically going to come down to, you know, when he gets to the playoffs, can he do enough with his arm if if you find a team that can somehow maintain I think
2: he's kind of a little bit, and we talked about this with Mahomes in the past, but how crazy last year was in terms of quarterback scoring. Lamar Jackson had a really down year and finished like QB9 at 25.7 fantasy points per game. And any other year, the last three years, that would have been QB2 or QB3. Yeah, It's just the whole league went crazy last year. And for some reason, Mahomes' numbers didn't really go up that much. And Jackson had a down year, so his went down. But he's still, he and Mahomes, the 32 or 33 points per game they averaged in 2018 and 2019 was better than what anybody's done as of late. And I still think he has as much upside, if not more upside, than anyone, especially in a four-point per pass touchdown league. And I'm not sold on the fact that he's not a good passer yet because we haven't really seen, and we might not this year with all the injuries they have, we haven't seen him with enough enough help besides Mark Andrews.
0: I'm not sold on, I'm just a little unsure that he's, you know, that he's ever going to be quite good enough. But that's an NFL discussion, fantasy discussion. He's going to rush for a 1,000 yards. So, Jamie, uh, what's your take here on on Lamar.
3: I love all the top five quarterbacks, you know, so it, I mean, it's, it's like, I, I look at my rankings. I look at when I'm drafting, you know, and, and it gets to a point, like I was going to take Mahomes. Uh, he went right in front of me. So I was going to take Mahomes in round four. Um, and then I was going to see if, if any of them got back in round five, which they didn't. And so, uh, you know, when we did the quarterback, people, like I told you, I had Lamar Jackson ranked ahead of Josh Allen. They're all so close. You know, I, I think you said it, Heath. If, if Dak throws to that amount of volume, he could be the number one guy. Kyler, who knows what his ceiling will be if he continues to rush and, and the increased weapons that they have around him. So they're all so good. I I I think the thing that you bank on with Lamar is you know the floor is, like you said, Adam, 1,000 yards rushing if he's healthy. And so will he be the first 4,000, 1,000 guy? I think that's probably – it may happen for a couple of guys this year. You no, know, Jalen Hurts, as we saw last year, he, he showed you that. Kyler Murray may get there. Uh, Lamar Jackson can get there. So – you know, all these guys could be just, just so amazing. I think it's just personal choice.
0: Okay, Justin Fields, 1,000 this year. It'd be nice. They'd have to start in week two, <laughs> <laughs> or, or halftime of week one. Yeah, sure, sure. Well, hopefully, by that point, the Rams will be resting their starters. <laughs> uh, okay, those are some of the most polarizing players in fantasy football. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, differences in drafting in ten team leagues, fourteen team leagues, sixteen team leagues. We'll tell you about it after this on Fantasy Football Today.
1: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
3: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: All right. uh, We have a few minutes left before Jamie has to hop off. But Heath will stay on, and we'll continue talking about this topic here. And it's, we, we talk a lot about 12-team leagues. Let's talk about 10-team leagues, and let's talk about the deeper leagues as well. Starting with the shallow leagues, Jamie, if you, if somebody's doing a 10-team league instead of a 12-team league, what adjustments would you tell this person to make?
3: So we had a, a question on uh, fantasy football today on HQ, and Dave said something, which I say a lot, and I think Heath does also because we did a lot of these previews for our draft room. Uh, take difference makers. Take superstars. Well, that should obviously be the goal of every draft. And it'd be nice if you could, you know, everybody's going to say, I'd like to have superstars. But I think, we, you know, by qualifying that is, don't be afraid of taking a quarterback early in a 10-team league, uh, especially one of the top five guys. Don't be afraid of taking one of the uh, top tight ends early like we typically do. But, you know, you maybe lean into that a little bit more. But even maybe prioritize a guy like Andrews or Pitts or or Hawkinson just to make sure you have one of the top six guys later on in the draft. But... Uh, I think you want to have a position stranglehold of of some sort. So you want to know you have top half quarterback, top half tight end, or the best group of running backs, best group of wide receivers. So try and figure out how you can manage to make that happen. Um, But this is the type of scenario in a 10-team league or shallower where you want to say, I have this edge every week and I'm going to beat you in that department.
0: In terms of quarterbacks, though, Do you still feel the same way about the top five that you don't need to say, get Patrick Mahomes. You can just
3: get a top. You just,
0: it's more important to get a top five guy.
3: Yeah. So I, I think you, you know, I remember like Heath and I, so when you open the draft room on, on, on our site, um, for the first time, you know, not if you're going back to it multiple times, but you open the draft room on the the site, there's videos pop up and Heath and I did all of these Hmm. 10 team, uh, or no, we did all of the non PPR teams, but we did the 10 team one for non PPR. um, but the same it's the same conversation. You know, you you want to get uh potentially a quarterback early. You know, so take one of those guys in the second round, third round because the receiver pool is so much deeper now. The running back pool is even deeper. Um so I think it it's it's in your best interest to try and get one of those top 5 quarterbacks. I don't know. Yes.
0: But you're telling me that in a 10-team league you're going to take Dak Prescott or Kyler Murray in the second round? Uh
3: probably the early third. Really? I would consider it. Yeah. Okay. Keith, are you as... But it also comes down to, again, knowing your league.
2: <laughs> yeah. Okay. I would be much more willing to take Lamar Jackson in round three in a 10-team league than I would in a 12-team league, yes. Even though it's earlier picks, which so that doesn't make sense. Like, you're talking pick 20 through 30 instead of 24 through 36, but I'd still be more likely to take Jackson in round three.
3: I find myself... My, my longest-running league is a, is a 10-team non-PPR league. It's the same people from, from college, no matter how many times I've tried to change it. They don't want to change it, but it's, you know, it's still fun to play in these type of leagues. And I find myself every year doing the same thing, which I'm going to stop doing, which is, I always have the best bench by far because I'll just sit here and pick off running backs and receivers and, you know, build that, that group. And then I'm always chasing quarterback every, like last year I traded for Josh Allen because I needed something. And the, the, the person I traded with had Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. So it was an easy trade to make. And, I was like, this is just so much better, you know, in, in in this in this type of league. So, in a shallower format, it just you know you don't have to build your depth as much because the waiver wire is going to be more robust. the 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 talent pool is not going to be the same, so you want to get some significant difference makers. And I think getting one of those quarterbacks in a shallower league matters.
2: I I think that's also, and this is hard to gauge, and some people may not have a reasonable um, opinion about themselves and their league mates. But if you were in a league where you are putting in more research than 80% of the league and it's just a bunch of friends from a long time ago, and I mean not saying like Jamie, maybe some of Jamie's friends are all really active and that's not what that is. But if you're in one of those leagues, because I'm in one of those leagues, then I would take quarterback and tight end much earlier. Cause you're probably gonna have four of your top twenty-five running backs and four of your top twenty-five receivers.
0: Yeah. Right. That makes sense. Uh I get tell me if you agree though with, with this. You have to figure out the point in the draft where we where you have run out of elite players. To me, that's somewhere around 30th. And that and I'm probably not taking anyone other than Mahomes before, you know, we get to the Carson, Dobbins, Henderson, James Robinson. You know, at that point when you start to get the question marks, but I still think any of the top ten to twelve wide receivers, including McLaurin and maybe Allen Robinson and you know, maybe the Gibson, Clyde Edwards, I'm still gonna take those guys over quarterbacks because I, I still think we're talking about the elite players at the at that point. But but it but then, you know, then once you get past that, it's you're even less likely to take someone like Miles Sanders. You know, in a 12 team league I might take Miles Sanders over Kyler Murray. In a 10 team league, definitely not.
3: Well it's it you know it we 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 tier positions. You know, you should tier the 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 line the talent pool line essentially you yeah. know, so like what you're saying the the that run on receivers which we typically see in the third round that uh, that run on running backs which we typically see in the second round you know th- those get pushed down a round because of the the lack of fantasy managers that you're dealing with so it it just it, it's where you feel comfortable with you know and so like what Heath is saying I think is is true in most leagues you know it's not just ten team leagues it's most leagues where there's probably sixty to eighty percent of the people are Digesting this stuff, reading podcasting, listening to podcasts, you know, uh, whatever form you're getting your information from. And then there are people that look at the draft, literally the first day, <laughs> uh, the day of the draft, look at, look at the players, the day of the draft and say, Oh, okay. This is the rank list. I'm supposed to follow. Or this is the, this fantasy analyst got me to a, a, a playoff run two years ago. So I'm going to follow them again. You know, the things that we hear all the time.
0: Okay. All right. Jamie's going to hop off and Heath and I will talk about 14 team and 16 team leagues.
3: Yeah, I'm gonna go fix your baseball problem. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> nope. Nobody, nobody can fix that problem.
2: Okay. Uh, so, what do you? What about deeper leagues, Heath? What's your advice? You've got to figure out, and it's format dependent. It's not. Um, it's more difficult to figure out in a full PPR league where you start three wide receivers in a flex. But if you're in a deep non PPR league, you kind of just forget about wide receivers for a while. Um, I think you probably need to not worry about quarterback as much because you can find a starter in a 14 or 16 team league later in the draft. In most cases, Uh, running backs and tight ends become even more important to me in the deeper formats, just because those are the two most shallow positions and they get even more shallow in the deeper format.
0: We did a draft. We did the IDP draft and it's a 12 team PPR league, but. I consider it deep because it's there are ten bench spots. There are ten or yeah, what did I say? There are nine IDP spots, but then there's an additional ten bench spots. So the reason why I consider this a deep league is because the the waiver wire is much thinner. And I've learned it's really hard to get a running back off waivers unless there's an injury, and then everyone's in on that running back, right? So I make it a priority to have some. I try anyway. It didn't quite work out just, just because people were, you know, running backs were flying off the board. I try to have running back depth. And the other thing about that is not just the waiver wire, but those are really valuable trade assets. If you happen to be one of the lucky teams that has some running back depth and you can make a trade, people are desperate for running back. You can name your price in, in, certain, in certain cases. I didn't really think about it from the tight end standpoint, Heath. Um, not saying you're wrong. I just focus on running backs. But I guess if I were going to try to counter the the tight ends being more important, well, we know there aren't usually that many good tight ends, right? <laughs> so if you don't have, if you have, you know, just like an Irv Smith or a whatever Janu Smith or somebody not named Smith, you're not at, at as much of a disadvantage because there are more teams in your league that have a. Kind of crummy tight end.
2: I was just thinking if you had a, a Travis Kelsey or a Darren Waller or a, one of those guys, there's even more teams that you have an advantage over.
0: I know, I know, but it's so hard to build running back depth if you take a tight end early.
2: Yeah. I mean, in our draft today, I didn't, I ended up with no offense because I just kept missing out on guys. Um, but it's definitely. It's very difficult to take a quarterback early and have good receivers and have a good tight end and have running back depth. I don't think it's that difficult to have running back depth and a good tight end if you're willing to sacrifice one or both of the other positions.
0: Yeah, okay. And I did take Darren Waller in this draft, uh, 23rd overall. But my number three running back is Michael Carter. I have, uh, let me tell you, if you're in a PPR league, James White, Giovanni Bernard. Just it, it, You need a flex and a pinch. They go so late. I have James White. You probably took Geo. I did take Gio. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I mean, they're just... Uh,
2: they're not going to win your league, but... In a deeper PPR league, those guys are really nice to have on yes. your bench when something goes wrong, and you can just plug them in and say, I've got 10 points yes this week, and I'll figure the rest out. Yeah, that's exactly my point. All right, is there anything else you want to say about uh, deeper leagues? Um, again, I just think it's it makes the scoring system and the lineup construction that much more important, so make sure you read all your rules um, because like the, there's wild swings in a non-PPR two-wide receiver versus a full PPR three-wide receiver, and that's true in a 12-team league. <laughs> it's much more true in deeper leagues. Whatever position is going to end up running out of talent is going to run out of talent that much faster. Now,
0: I am a fantasy coward. I think everybody knows that. Yeah. So I, you know, we always have the conversation. We often have the conversation. Should you handcuff your own running back or should you take someone else's handcuff? Right. And some people say, well, if you take someone else's handcuff, then you could have two great running backs. And I say, well, if you take someone else's handcuff and your guy gets hurt and the other guy doesn't, then you could have two terrible running backs. In a deeper league, I personally, being the hashtag fantasy coward, maybe I'll change my Twitter handle too. Uh, I am much more likely to take my own handcuff because I just fear a worst case scenario. My first round pick got hurt. My season's over. I hope you all enjoy fantasy football this year. I'll be. I'll talk to you next year.
2: I think part of that is also like in a deeper league. You see 14 and 16 team leagues sometimes where still only six teams make the playoffs. True. At that, in that <laughs> case, you need to really just forget about what your floor is. You're almost playing like a GPP. But if it's a 16 team league where eight teams make the playoffs, then the cowardly way might get you into the playoffs. There you go. That <laughs> All right. Well, let's see. So invite me to your 16-team league where eight teams
0: make the playoffs. Uh, The fantasy coward will be there. Thanks to Heath and Jamie. Thanks to Ben as well. And thanks to all of you, of course, for listening. We will talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.
1: This is Sandra Herrera from Attacking Third, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Golazo Network dedicated to all things women's soccer. With the NWSL expanding to 14 teams, the 2024 season promises to be bigger and better than ever, and attacking third will be along for the ride from start to finish. Before that, though, we'll be all over the CONCACAF W Gold Cup, where the U.S. Women's National Team is looking to clinch silverware on home soil. We'll also be keeping tabs on the winner transfer window, the Women's Super League, the UEFA Women's Champions League, and elsewhere. Coming to you multiple times a week with game previews, recaps, analysis, breaking news, exclusive interviews, and more, Attacking Third is your one-stop shop for the best coverage of the women's game. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Make sure you subscribe to Attacking Third.